Have you been avoiding the medical model of care during your pregnancy due to mistrust? Are you curious about blood testing but unsure where to go or what any of the tests mean? Today, I had Sarah and Marianne on the show to talk about lab testing for preconception through each trimester of pregnancy. We talk about the must-have testing, the different lab results based on trimester, importance of the right prenatal vitamin, and talk about how proper diet can even reverse gestational diabetes. Marianne Marks and Sarah Russell have worked with hundreds of fertility clients in their combined 19 years of nutrition experience. Their current collaboration focuses on teaching reproductive-focused clinicians and clients alike the correct way to view blood work in pregnancy and postpartum and how normal physiological changes should be reflected in pregnancy-specific ranges. They're excited to share the evidence-based information that expertly fills an enormous knowledge gap in the field of reproductive health. This is a high-level podcast episode, and you'll definitely want to take notes or even listen a second time. But I want to give you a reminder before we get into that episode. If you're currently planning a peaceful home birth, you're going to want to make sure you have all the essentials, right? Each birth worker has their own ideas on what you should or shouldn't have, but after supporting women in the home birth setting for the past five years, I compiled the checklist for you with all the essentials that my clients have found the most helpful. So download your checklist today. The link is in the show notes. Now let's get into the show. Welcome to the Peaceful Home Birth Podcast, where your journey to a joyful and empowered birth experience begins. I'm your host, Allie McLean, a registered nurse, home birth coach, devoted wife, and proud mother to four incredible kiddos. I've walked the path from trauma to triumph, and I'm here to guide you every step of the way. At the Peaceful Home Birth Podcast, we're more than just a show. We're a community of dreamers, believers, and fearless mothers-to-be. If you're seeking to reclaim your birth story, to transform fear into confidence, and to embrace the beauty of home birth, you found your tribe. My own transformative journey began with a traumatic C-section, propelling me on a quest to uncover the power of home birth. And now I'm on a mission to help you rise above your past, prevent needless C-sections, and stand firmly in the certainty of your dream birth. As a devoted follower of Jesus, I believe that his divine design for birth is inherently good. It is a reflection of his love, strength, and grace. If the dream of home birth has been planted on your heart, know that it's there for a purpose. And I'm here to stand with you as you pursue it wholeheartedly. In a world filled with racing thoughts and doubts, I'm your guide to taking those thoughts captive, making them obedient to Christ, and replacing them with the liberating truth. Together, we'll navigate the challenges that lie ahead, finding not only freedom, but also unbridled joy on your path to motherhood. This podcast is a haven for the woman who has faced the darkness of a traumatic birth and has questioned whether home birth is within her reach. Here we shatter those doubts. Join us for illuminating interviews with remarkable birth workers who share our reverence for the sanctity and splendor of birth. Listen to inspiring women as they recount their triumphant birth stories, each a testament to the strength that resides within you. So whether you're just starting to explore the world of home birth or you're already on this radiant journey, the Peaceful Home Birth Podcast is your sanctuary, your wellspring of knowledge, and your unwavering support system. Get ready to be inspired, to be empowered, and to embark on a path that leads you to the birth you've always dreamed of. It's time to experience the Holy Spirit's power, to embrace the beauty of birth, and to create a legacy of love and strength. Are you ready to transform your birth experience? Let's dive in. Hi, Marianne. Hi, Sarah. Thank you so much for joining me on today's episode. This is going to be so good. Like I was saying kind of before, this interests me so much coming from my nursing background, just all the labs. It's such a mystery. And then you guys are really tapping into kind of that unknown or 
not well discovered area of like pre-pregnancy and during pregnancy and even diving into certain trimesters. So I'm really excited to talk to you about all of this, but why don't you go ahead and just introduce yourself real quick and let us know who you are. You want to go ahead, Sarah? Yeah. Thank you so much for having us, Allie. It's uh, such a pleasure and an honor to be here with you today. Um, my name is Sarah Russell and I'm a functional nutritional therapy practitioner. I have, I've had a clinical practice for over a decade focusing on complex health cases and pregnancy, postpartum, and, and also preconception preparation. Um, I um, really enjoy working through the complex client cases. And I got into this field basically because um, as I supported people during pregnancy and postpartum, I would see a lot of labs that were flagged as abnormal. And I was like, wait, like, is it what, why does this person have such high white blood counts? latent pregnancy, is that like a normal pregnancy thing? And I started looking up um, articles to see how specific values that I would see flagged change during pregnancy and even postpartum. That's how I discovered alkaline phosphatase being altered during breastfeeding and the early postpartum period. Uh, just, you know, trying to understand what was happening to my individual clients. And then about a year ago, I started collaborating with, um, with Marianne on this project it's been it's been really great because she's um you know really doing the um the technical uh software side of things and the two of us together i feel like we we make such a great team um yeah i i i am uh, i'm in the tuscan countryside living on a little homestead oh, um, wow. with uh it's awesome. olive trees and rabbits and chickens and oh my goodness seven cats. Sounds so. like the life. I just got chicken. So now I'm like super obsessed. We could just talk about that all podcast, yeah. but, <laughs> but I'll have you, Marianne, go next. Oh, thanks, Allie. Really mm-hmm. appreciate you having us on. And yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm excited to be working with Sarah now. So uh, my name is Marianne Marks. I'm the, the, the founder and, and creator and, and CEO of a software and company called Lab Smarts. So it's a, uh, a software that I created for practitioners to help them interpret blood work for their patients and clients more effic- efficiently, effectively. And I'll I'll talk about what that all means and how that all works in, in, in relation to pregnancy uh, reference ranges too. But I left my corporate job in 2014 when I started to get healthy on my own, eating just through eating. I'm like, I have to leave and like, go learn more about this. Like, I can't believe just, just food that all you need is to get healthy. Like I was eating so bad anyway, but, but then, so I learned through nutrition school um, about blood work and I just was so fascinated by it. And so I started uh, creating a spreadsheet, doing interpretations for clients and then helping practitioners. And I thought, oh, you know, I should turn this into a software. And, and so I, I spent several years now, a lot of my own retirement money creating this software for practitioners like Sarah and Sarah and I, she became a, a user even more than a year ago or so. And, and I had initially just had um, reference ranges in uh, for pregnancy trimesters around the CBC and, and with working with Sarah and she's like, Oh, there's a lot more markers that change throughout pregnancy. And, and so I have now through working together and we've done so much research. I have over a hundred or so markers in the software that have reference ranges for pregnancy trimesters. And, Throughout all this research, Sarah and I are, were like, we, we have to share this information with, with everyone. So we started creating a, a masterclass course that we're going to be teaching in, in July. So it's really exciting. Yeah, that is exciting. That I mean, it sounds like something that was so needed. Um, yeah. Man, I, okay, so with pregnant women, can you kind of explain like the basics? Why would even somebody want to start out with a lab test? Um, I know with my second and third pregnancy, I was kind of like, I'm going to forego all medical interventions. And that included lab testing. I was like, I so hurt by the medical system that that was like the last thing I wanted to get involved with. And so I totally avoided it. Now, everything turned out fine. We had, I had a great pregnancy, but this time with my fourth baby, I was like, you know what? I am not, I, I've worked through a lot of my hurt <laughs> and I can look at all of my options very objectively now. And I really felt led to get some 
lab work done. And it was so eye-opening and so empowering to be like, these are the places in my body that are kind of lacking. And this is how I can help myself be stronger and be healthier. So can you maybe go into more of like the benefits of even getting lab work done preconception and I didn't get mine done until I was 14 weeks pregnant. But if maybe somebody is pregnant now, like, is it still beneficial to get lab work done while you're pregnant? Yeah. Even now I'll, I'll say something real quick and then hand it over to Sarah. But now there are, you don't have to go to the, in the medical system to get blood tests done anymore. Probably is what you learn now. Like yeah. it's more available to everybody. So it's nice that there's that decoupling that any practitioner, myself, you, we all can now order blood work, but go ahead and um, Sarah, and you want to explain like why it's even important in preconception, but still, you know, later it's still yeah. always get throughout. Sure. Yeah. So during preconception, you know, of course it's a, it's a personal choice. If you don't want to, if you choose not to have labs, that's perfectly fine. Um, it is, you know, um, absolutely your choice. There's nobody who can, you know, who can decide that for you, but we are here for those people who choose from an empowered place to get lab work done to help people navigate which tests are ideal, say during preconception, both for the male and female partner and during pregnancy, like let's actually interpret these correctly because a lot of the time these tests are being run, but many times the lab is not flagging things from the point of view of actual pregnancy reference ranges by trimester. So the first part of the answer is it is absolutely your choice. There is no uh, right or wrong in terms of, you know, running labs or not. Uh, but if you run labs, you might as well have the right ones run and interpreted appropriately during pregnancy for the actual trimester of pregnancy that you're in, because otherwise you could actually end up in a place of feeling like some, <laughs> something is wrong when it isn't or not picking up on something not being right. Um, so, um, yeah, I think that, that really is a lot like what, with the ranges that are on the lab work that you get from LabCorp and Quest, a pregnant woman goes in there and their, her values are all like high or low. And, you know, it, it, that's not the, it's not the right tool to interpret those problems. Yeah. yeah. That is <clears throat> exactly why I did that individualized research marker by marker. As I saw things flagged, I was like, it's not possible for this person to have like that many problems that I know them clinically, they are healthy mm -hmm. individuals and they're having a healthy pregnancy and there's no actual sign of an infection. So why are there white blood cells like through the roof? Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, so just being able to reassure someone that, that um, this is exactly what's supposed to happen right. in, uh, in their trimester of pregnancy is so reassuring, but let's back up to preconception. <laughs> if someone is running appropriate, I'm sorry, I have a little bit of a cough. You're good. Appropriate labs during preconception, um, they can know their nutritional status. So say if you, you don't really want to go into pregnancy iron deficient because pregnancy, for example, requires a lot of iron from the mother's stores um, for the placenta and, and the developing fetus. So, and, and also just for the mother's own health. So there are like all of a sudden three different uh, layers of need for iron instead of just one. So if somebody <clears throat> goes into pregnancy already iron deficient, that can set them up for a more uncomfortable pregnancy with more fatigue and, and less favorable outcomes. Uh, so just say, you know, running a full iron panel, running a full thyroid panel before pregnancy can help pick up on actual thyroid disease or subclinical hypothyroidism, which can help cut down on miscarriage and, um, and also optimize the potential for conception. Uh, fertility and thyroid status are <laughs> tightly intertwined. Right. And, uh, and so that's super helpful. You even like, there's a set of tests that you like to order on the mail as well. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Whenever possible. I also like to see um, markers for the males. So both for males and females, I like to see a complete blood count, full iron panel. For, for women, I like to see a full thyroid panel. Um, and um, <clears throat> I like to see hemoglobin A1C for both. 
And if there are signs of possible insulin resistance issues, I also like to see C-peptide uh, to make sure that their blood sugar regulation is okay. Um, looking at zinc and copper in males can also help us understand if they're missing some of those essential elements for sperm health and uh, to protect them from oxidative stress and help the sperm do its job. Um, so these are things that are just helpful to see um, from a preparation point of view and also just to be able, um, in the case of pregnancy, looking at the CBC, keeping an eye on thyroid markers, <coughs> if there's any risk factors of um, thyroid disease potentially occurring or the person is already on medication or thyroid issues, um, just monitoring <coughs> that and making sure that everything is flowing smoothly. Yeah, there's so many times where the males are totally left out of the picture. That's not even a yeah. thought when it comes to many practitioners um, to look at the health of the male. But in reality, it does take two to make a baby. And yeah. so that is a very important piece of the puzzle. So I'm so glad that you look into that and that is included. Um, I hope more and more people kind of start realizing the importance of that um, you had mentioned something about bio-individual blood work. Could you talk a little bit more about what that is? What, what does that even mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'll take that one. Okay. So, yeah, I can't, so I came up with that when, um, so when you look at blood work, there are reference ranges for each marker. Um, there are, men have different amount of red blood cells than women. Younger men have different amount than older men. There's different, um, the blood looks different for different ethnicities, for different ages, uh, for different, um, this is one cool one that I have in the software. If you are living in a higher elevation city like Denver, you are you make more red blood cells because there's less oxygen there. So you really can't compare somebody's red blood cells around the whole anemia patterns to, you know, for somebody living at a high elevation to somebody living at sea level. So in the software, we adjust reference ranges for that. So we use, based on the client information that they enter, like female, premenopause, postmenopause, pregnancy, trimester, whatever they create in the software, we use reference ranges for the appropriate, you know, bio-individual traits of that client you know, in the software for each marker. So it's more accurate way to look at blood work where, and, and this is like we were saying earlier, where, where a pregnant woman gets their blood work, their CBC and things are all out of whack and they all say high and low. And when you, but when you put those values into the software and use the appropriate reference ranges for that trimester of pregnancy, things look normal because we have the appropriate ranges. So that's what it, that's why I call it bio-individual blood work analysis or blood work interpretation, because we're helping you be more accurate and using the bio-individual traits of that person to use the right reference ranges when you're looking at blood work. Yeah, that's so fascinating. I think a lot of people don't realize, depending on the lab where your doctor sends your test results, they all kind of have their own set of reference point. Isn't right. that true? Yeah. And so your doctor is comparing it to the lab reference level that the lab is sending back. And then they're interpreting interpreting it based on, is it within normal for that specific lab? And so that's why this is such a cool thing that you are putting in so much more than just slapping on, this is how everybody should be. This is the reference point and range. And if you're not in that, then you're either high or low. And yeah. to look at it from a bigger picture is so much more... Well, yeah. accurate. And you're going to have yeah. a lot less misdiagnosis. Yeah. And also too, like you were saying about the reference ranges on like a lab core or a quest blood. Yeah. They're very wide. I mean, they're mainly based on 95% of the population tested at that lab tested across the country. And so when they say normal, all they're doing is it's a statistical term. They're just taking mm -hmm. a distribution of that population data. And so you really don't want your value to be at the upper or lower end of that lab range in our software, we have optimal or functional ranges, they call it. They're a tighter set of reference ranges where you really want your values to fall into um, based on all sorts of different studies that we have an extensive bibliography that backs up those ranges. Where 
You could say, you know, they, there's a lot of studies out there based from insurance companies where they may say, you know, if your GGT is a marker of oxidative stress over a certain number, we, we're not going to give you life insurance. So there's a lot mm-hmm. of good studies out there where that help us define a tighter set of ranges that are, that really represent more optimal health. And then, then you can look and see if somebody's value is within lab, but like at, at the upper or lower end of the lab and outside of optimal, then you could start helping them you know, pinpoint imbalances in their body systems, you know, and help them correct those before they go outside of lab range. And then the the conventional doctor has the justification to just say, oh, you know, you need a thyroid med, you need a statin, um, you know, and we want to help people be more and be more proactive and help them, you know, be more proactive in their health and and not, you know, catch things before they become a disease state. And that's right. how we do it with blood work. Yeah, that's amazing. So kind of going back to the preconception, what if if somebody's listening to this and they're like, well, I got lab work done, like my doctor did lab work. Do you think they got the lab work that's appropriate for preconception? And if not, what lab work may or may not be missing? Yeah, yeah. it depends on on what the doctor has ordered for them. Um, and, it, you know, I also have my clinical opinion of what is the right lab work. Somebody else, another, you know, really um, skilled practitioner may have a different set of labs that they might prefer. So there might be some differences, but I'll share what I like to see. I like to see a full thyroid panel. I like to see a complete blood count and a comprehensive metabolic panel, a full iron panel. Uh, so that is not <laughs> just hemoglobin, iron and ferritin. <laughs> It also includes um, total iron binding capacity and transferrin saturation rate, which is a percentage. Um, And uh, am I missing any of them? I I just worked with somebody yesterday and they only had iron serum and ferritin. I'm like, well, where's the TIBC and the percent saturation? You really can't figure out things going on in the whole iron. Yeah, you can't see the whole picture. Um, And I also like to see nutrient markers, vitamin D, folate, um, homocysteine, which mm-hmm. is a, it's not obviously a nutrient, but it can help us understand uh, what's going on with folate, B12, and also B6. So um, one of the reasons why I like to see these nutrients is because uh, not only you know are folate and vitamin D critical for um, preconception and, and pregnancy, but also um, no, knowing what people's actual levels are of these different nutrients can help me match up the, um, the prenatal multi to the client. Mm-hmm. So there is an immense variation in how much, uh, vitamin D people need. I also like to see vitamin A as serum retinol, because there is a, a huge difference in how efficiently people will convert plant sources of pre-vitamin A, which is beta carotene into pre into actual like active vitamin a which is retinol hmm. uh, that can help me uh select not only the right amount of total vitamin a but also the the right split of beta carotene and, and retinol in the prenatal there is a huge variation also in the amount of b6 that is in uh the top-notch prenatal vitamins on the market market this isn't because there's something wrong with the formulations it's because Different people need different amounts. I see this in, in people's labs all the time. So one excellent uh, <coughs> prenatal multi has two milligrams of B6 in a daily dose. Another one, also top-notch, 50 milligrams. Um, I have some clients who need the, the lower dose. I need some client, I have some clients who need the higher dose. How do I know which dose is right for them? The only way to know is to test. You almost He's, shouldn't really even do a supplement until you test, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, B6 is a very unique nutrient. Not only can adequate B6 status protect people from a severe morning sickness or even moderate morning sickness, but B6 is the only nutrient that can cause neuropathies, both in a state of deficiency and in a state of excess. So if a person is getting too much vitamin B6 from their multi, and it can and does happen, I have seen it time and time again. Uh, I've seen people get too much vitamin B6 just from a fortified nutritional yeast that they don't even know is fortified that they've been eating. 
Um, so people can get neuropathies from no, multiple types of nutrient deficiencies, but they can also get neuropathies from B6 excess. So mm. it's really, really important. You know, sometimes pregnancy is just wild. People have all kinds of symptoms. And a lot of the time, a pregnant person will go to the doctor and, the, and will rattle off a, a, a litany of different symptoms that they have. And the doctor is like, well, you know, you're pregnant. Yeah. This is, it can happen. Like mm -hmm. almost anything. It's just, oh, you're pregnant. Oh, you're pregnant. Oh, you're pregnant. But if this person is having uh, neuropathy because their vitamin B6 and their prenatal is too high, don't we want to know that? Mm -hmm. Right. I certainly would. Yeah, you can correct a lot of different symptoms just from nutrients. Yeah. yeah. Just by providing the right nutrients, the right enough is really important. And also not too much is super yeah. important. Different, you know, everybody is so different in how well they convert uh, vitamin D from the sun and from food sources <clears throat> and how efficiently they absorb them from, they absorb it from their supplements. Yeah. So some people need a lot of vitamin D and some people don't. So I've worked with clients who come to me from a provider who's put them on 5,000 IUs of vitamin D and it's way too much for them. I have some for whom that those dose is barely sufficient. So yes, the research on the large numbers will say most people during pregnancy need 5,000 IUs and that's, it's typically a safe dose, but so many people can fall through the cracks. I don't want my, my clients to be, you know, just an average person. If you're an average person, that's fine, but it, but you can be toxic at mm -hmm. that average person dose. If you are a really good absorber and I've seen it happen clinically. Um, yeah. How about, um, copper ceruloplasmin and copper is good to test before in, in preconception, um, you don't want too much copper. You don't want too little copper because you need copper to convert that iron into the right mm -hmm. form, but too much free copper can, has all sorts of negative side effects. So if you had, you can calculate and the software calculates free copper using a formula with ceruloplasmin, which is the protein that copper attaches to and copper in the serum. And so that's another good one. And zinc too, and the yeah. copper and zinc ratio and yeah. yeah. And also, could you talk a little bit more about the thyroid? Because I think this is becoming more um, mainstream to test thyroid during pregnancy and postpartum, especially because it's well known now that your thyroid can really impact postpartum depression, anxiety. And so a lot of people are getting their thyroid tested. Um, but what I'm seeing is that they might not be testing the full thyroid panel. And you had mentioned that. Can you kind of go into what is the full thyroid panel versus what conventional medicine a lot of times is testing? Yeah. So conventional medicine will typically look at TSH and at most free T4 and free T3. Um, it's okay. You know, again, um, the evidence on large, large numbers of people shows that for the average individual, that is perfectly fine. But there are a lot of people who can fall through the cracks and every single per person and every single person's pregnancy and family matters. So it's important to me that um, that whenever possible, we are looking at the additional markers. So what I like to see is TSH, free and total T3, free and total T4, reverse T3 and, and antibodies for um, thyroglobulin binding antibodies, thyrox, uh, I'm sorry, uh, antiperoxidase antibodies. And in cases where there are indications of possible overactive thyroid activity, I also like to see TSI antibodies. Um, and yeah, most people go into pregnancy, not knowing they have thyroid antibodies and a lot of them do. Yeah. So almost upwards of 90% of people with underactive thyroid function has an autoimmune autoimmune thyroid component to their hypothyroidism. That's significant. Mm -hmm. So um, allopathic medicine will shrug that off and say, well, it doesn't matter. We treat it all the same way. That's, you know, they offer synthetic T4 sometimes. Test it because they don't know what to do. Yeah, with. yeah, yeah. So for me, from a clinical perspective, knowing that's knowing whether or not somebody's uh, hypothyroidism is autoimmune or not makes a world of difference. Because if you have non-autoimmune hypothyroidism, remember that is the minority. Um, 
of people with hypothyroidism yeah. about 10% or maybe less. That's just a thyroid issue. Yeah. Like, you know, like often nutrients that are upstream of thyroid and whatnot, but it is a thyroid issue. If you have somebody with autoimmune hypothyroidism, and that's more than 90% of those individuals, that is an immune dysfunction that has consequences downstream on the thyroid. That has huge implications. You know, like um, those people are more likely to have um, celiac disease than the general, vastly more likely to have celiac disease than the general population, for example. And that can lead to multiple autoimmune attacks on not only the maternal tissues because of cross-reactivity with gluten proteins, but also on the developing fetuses tissues including the brain and nervous system. So uncontrolled um, uncontrolled autoimmune hypothyroidism that has a, a celiac disease component that is not known or treated is, is a really big deal, both for the health of the mother and the, um, and the developing fetus. There's a higher rate of autism in, in the offspring of mothers with autoimmune issues especially when there, when there are, uh, when, when there is a celiac disease component that has been undiagnosed and is not being appropriately treated through diet. Um, this is all preventable. Um, I mean, most of it is preventable, uh, through diet. Just, so just testing those people for celiac disease is, is really empowering. Also, you know, for those people who test negative for celiac disease, I still like them to do um, a gluten elimination for six weeks to, to three months, and then reintroduce it to see how they feel on versus off it. Because a lot of people can have a non-celiac <coughs> gluten sensitivity that may have very similar effects on the maternal tissues and the developing fetus as well. Um, so um, that is not anywhere near as much of an issue for somebody with just your, um, you know, hypothyroidism that is not an autoimmune um issue so you're saying when you when you find clients that have antibodies thyroid antibodies you put you want them to go on a, a, a gluten-free diet for not necessarily yeah like i want to have them do i want the first thing so let's imagine this flow chart right somebody has hypothyroidism that is autoimmune the first thing i want them to do if they are currently consuming gluten is get tested immediately for celiac disease that's the first thing. Uh, you have to be actively consuming gluten in order to have accurate readings. Um, and there are other people besides people with autoimmune hypothyroidism that I like to see celiac testing for during preconception. People who have unexplained anemia um, before they conceive, <laughs> people who um, are having recurrent miscarriages, people who have kind of a broader picture that looks autoimmune or you know, other autoimmune conditions like lupus, type one diabetes, things like that. It is really important. Uh, we forget a lot of the time that, uh, that the more, you know, that somebody with an autoimmune disease or especially multiple autoimmune diseases is much more likely than the average person to have celiac disease or non-celiac gluten sensitivity. Additionally, people with mental health diagnoses like bipolar disorder, um, psychosis, both, you know, these types of conditions even anxiety and just run-of-the-mill depression, um, higher incidence of celiac disease in, in these individuals, uh, as well as non-celiac gluten sensitivity. So I do like to um, look at this individual picture. I'm not in the camp of, oh, gluten is bad for everybody. Everybody should be on a gluten-free diet. And that There is not enough evidence to suggest that. In fact, not even everybody with um, autoimmune thyroid disease necessarily needs to be gluten-free all of the time. However, I do um, consider pregnancy to be so delicate for both mother and fetus that during pregnancy, it is entirely appropriate for, you know, based on, <clears throat> on my clinical experience and the research that I've done to be extra cautious um, in a situation like that, if at all possible for um, somebody who has autoimmune thyroid disease to avoid gluten during this period, because we're talking about two immune systems plus a placenta all interacting. Uh, when there's autoimmune stuff in the mix, a lot can happen that is unpredictable. Yeah. So are you doing a full panel of autoimmune markers or are you just basing okay. that off of the thyroid antibodies? 
thyroid antibodies and also the history of, of the client, how many miscarriages they've had. Um, if they have a history of miscarriage, <coughs> nutritional deficiencies, like, you know, iron deficiency, anemia, pervasively low levels of vitamin D, th those can be flags, mental health conditions, whether diagnosed and treated or not, um, low bone density, family history of autoimmune issues, family history of osteoporosis. Uh, these are things that can tip me off to the fact that there may be something going on there. Yeah. Like a, like a nutrient absorption issue gut related. Yeah. 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 That is so interesting. Well, what other complications or what complications do you see maybe later on in pregnancy if nutrition isn't addressed preconception or even in that first trimester, if women are kind of entering into pregnancy in an unhealthy state? Are there some things that you have seen clinically show up in your patients? Um. Yeah, you know, that's, that's a good question. <laughs> uh, people can be a lot more fatigued, uh, just those, uh, a lot more nausea. Um, sometimes people with optimal nutrient status will still have some fatigue and nausea. So there is a lot of bioindividuality. Some people with lower nutritional status could just coast by, but by and large, I see more people with nutritional deficiencies have uh, all kinds of different uh, types of issues during pregnancy, because we need nutrients to run every single area of our bodily functions in addition to building a healthy baby. So this, this could look like getting dehydrated more easily, getting sick more easily. And that means, you know, increased infection can have complications around mother or baby difficulty regulating glucose. So if you don't have enough vitamin B1, magnesium and other essential nutrients, it's very difficult to regulate blood sugar uh, effect effectively, and the risk of type one diabetes is higher. Um, a lot of the time, poor uh, poor nutrient status goes hand in hand with imbalanced eating habits or poor absorption. So we want to understand what is going on in these cases. Uh, low folate it can come with a with an increased incidence of um, of neural tube defects and oral ties. So one, one of the things that, um, that I'm seeing, um, you know, in a, in a minority, but still substantial number of people and in, in the camp of people who are choosing not to take prenatals is a lot of oral ties, a higher chance of needing, um, surgery for cleft palate. So these, this is a big deal. Um, again, you know, statistically it's unlikely to happen, um, you know, to your next door neighbor, uh, but it <clears throat> it is likelier to happen to her if she is not taking a prenatal and not uh, you know doing adequate testing and and if she's kind of falling through the diagnostic cracks of say um, malabsorption conditions like celiac disease. That is so interesting. I actually just had a dentist on talking about ties, and mm -hmm. I was asking like, is this a fad? You know, what, why is it that so many ties are happening? Is that something that was going on like a hundred years ago? And I mean, where's the research on that? So I was just kind of curious, why is this happening more often? And so you're saying that it could possibly be like a lack of folate or a lack of nutrition yeah. in the mom. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, there are also different forms of folate. So the synthetic folic acid yeah. in the prenatals is not adequately metabolized by about 40 to 50% of the population. So it's really important not only to have enough folate, but also to have it in a form that, that the individual can actually use in the body. Um, so, you know, even just eating a lot of fortified foods, uh, that are fortified with folic acid can, can make it harder for the body to use folate if um, if the person is genetically predisposed to not being able to use a folic acid form that then needs to be uh, metabolized in a way that certain bo many bodies can't metabolize. So I only use active forms of folate in the prenatals mm -hmm. as I suggest to my clients and also have them take in foods that are rich in natural folate. You know, one, one of the benefits potentially of gluten-free diets in, in that are based on real food sources in people who are 
not only sensitive to gluten, but also kind of borderline sensitive people could just even be that they're not getting all that synthetic folic acid from their foods, but that does not mean that they cannot or, or should not take a high quality prenatal vitamin that is formulated with active forms of folate that are actually really beneficial. Uh, so these are really a, um, a guarantee that somebody is getting enough folate to support, um, healthy development of the fetus, ideally starting that three months before, uh, they plan to conceive. Yeah. Wow. That is so, so interesting. Kind of going back to that glucose intolerance. Um, are you seeing a connection between people who have gestational diabetes during pregnancy and, um, you know, their preconception nutrition also, I'm hearing that if you have gestational diabetes or if you get tested for that and you are, you know, you do have that, then you're a higher likelihood of getting type 2 diabetes post-pregnancy. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. So um, my favorite source actually of information on gestational diabetes is Lily Nichols. She wrote a really good book called um, Real Food for Gestational Diabetes. I highly recommend it. She also wrote a terrific book called um, Real Food for Pregnancy. And that is a book that really every practitioner and pregnant individual should have in their reference list. Um, so one of the things that Lily says is that um, in, um, in cases where gestational diabetes is diagnosed during pregnancy, there are really two ways of looking at that. One of them is this is the first occurrence where that person has been found to have diabetes. And that's sort of like the beginning of their diabetic, um, you know, journey. And the other way of looking at it is it's a flag for <coughs> higher risk. Um, those are just two different ways of looking at something. I mean, um, even in a non-pregnant population, when, when you look at the label pre-diabetes, it, it's such an awful label in a way, right? Because it sounds like that's just yeah. where you're headed. It's yeah. just a matter of time yeah. before you're diabetic. It is not in any way a destiny. It, along the same lines, just because somebody has gestational diabetes does not mean that they cannot or should not make an extreme effort to, um, to regulate their blood sugar. And they are going to need to be more careful than the average person. Um, but, um, you know, people have put on type two diabetes into remission mm -hmm. through nutrition and lifestyle. Um, pregnancy is no exception. So personally, I have not had a client that I worked with during preconception and pregnancy who went, who, you know, after working with me was diagnosed with, uh, gestational diabetes. Um, my clients just don't eat in a, in a way where they would you know, it hasn't happened yet. You know, there are probably some people out there who are eating so well, and I'm not in any way saying, oh gosh, you know, if you were diagnosed with, with gestational diabetes, you did something wrong. I haven't worked with enough hundreds of people to be able to say this is an absolute, but it just has not happened to me clinically that somebody I was actively working with then went on to develop gestational diabetes. Um, although I I did have, a um, you know, a situation where I had an extremely non-compliant client who came to me, I don't know why, for nutritional support and was not willing to change a thing about her diet. And I told her, look, you're really high risk for gestational diabetes. I'm very concerned for you because you're eating an extremely high carb diet, a lot of refined carbs and sugars. And um, I'm very, you're not having enough protein. You're not eating any vegetables at all. Um, I There's only so much I can help you with in terms of supplements. I am very concerned. So part of my job in that case was, you know, giving her a reality check about her risk. Now there are some people who are just genetically much more susceptible and they could do everything right. And, oh my gosh, how frustrating is it to, you know, to find out that you have gestational diabetes in spite of having done everything right. It does happen um, on occasion. So it just has not happened to a client that I was actively working with. Yeah, um, that's a good thing for you, right? <laughs> For sure, you know, but it, you know, in in a way, right, Marianne, because it's also important um, to to look at, um, you know, at things from a broader perspective, yeah. because you know, just because something hasn't happened 
to me, you know, it to a client of mine that I was actively working with clinically doesn't mean that it can't happen. And it's important to have that humility as a practitioner to realize that, you know, we don't have control over everything and to help our clients see that too. I mean, not in any way to increase anybody's anxiety, but just so that if something goes wrong, I don't want somebody to, to have the first thought of what did I do wrong? Mm-hmm. Uh, because that's not where I want someone to be in pregnancy. Uh, the right question to ask ideally is, what can I do now? Yeah, I think that's a good point. I think one thing that is so important for people to realize, though, is that there is hope. And I think a lot of times when you're in that conventional, you know, system, they're telling you, well, this is, and they label you, like, you're just, you are higher gestational age, you're like, you know, or you have gestational diabetes, preeclampsia, all of these things. And it's almost like they foretell your future. Like you were saying, like, this is your end destination. You're pre-diabetic now, which means you're going to have. And then you start to believe it. Yes. And then you start making decisions based on what somebody has told you. And so I think this is so critical to understand that there is such a factor, like, and we can see it scientifically. We can see it through the blood work that when you're labeled as something and you start making choices based on that label, you know, you will most likely end up at the destination you have been told. And so it's up to you to determine, is that where you want to end up? And if not, then maybe you should start talking to ladies like, you know, you guys, right? (laughs) So who are, who understand that your destination is not written in stone. There are so many things you could be doing to optimize your health and your nutrition to really have such a wonderful life. And like you were saying, of course, we cannot control every single outcome. But I have seen time and time again, women take this label on and then it it kind of becomes a reality. And I don't yeah. think it has to always be some woo-woo spiritual thing that like, you know, manifests. But I do think there is something very powerful about having a label put on you and starting to believe that and make decisions out of that. So I just so appreciate your guys's point of view on this because I I just see a lot of hope. Like we can make some really good decisions that will change outcomes. Right. You can empower yourself with blood work to make the appropriate decisions to know what nutrients you're deficient in, to take the proper supplements and avoid some of the symptoms that people are getting. And like you said too, Allie, like the doctors that you're going to, they don't know what you two, you and Sarah know. I mean, and, and they just send you on your way. It, 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 there's people out there like you both that can take the, the pre- their pregnancy to the next level and make them feel like way better than they could have ever felt with just following the limited advice that they yeah, get. Now, right? It is very limited. And then I see on the opposite side, people who, you know, like me was very hurt by this system and was like, I don't trust anything and blood work included. And so I'm just going to take all of these supplements and they kind of like patchwork information that they've heard places. Mm-hmm. For example, I've heard like, you absolutely need to be taking a copper medication or a copper supplement in order for your vitamin D to be absorbed properly. And then, you know, and so they're telling everybody be on a copper supplement and right. And so that bio-individuality is not, is not happening. And I also think on the opposite side of the spectrum, that can be also harmful and even dangerous. Like you were saying, some things can come like the neuropathy. And um, do you have anything to say about, about that? Any comments? Specifically about copper, copper deficiency can cause neuropathy. I do not believe that copper excess can, but it can cause liver and brain problems. So it can cause issues. Um, Copper toxicity uh, can definitely worsen bipolar disorder and many types of psychiatric conditions that can even cause the onset of psychiatric conditions that did not previously exist. Copper increases on its own in the, in the, during pregnancy exponentially. So by the, by late pregnancy, the typical woman will have three times as much copper in her blood as she did before pregnancy. I actually really dislike um, prenatals that 
that contain copper by default, because most people are getting more than adequate levels of copper in the diet, it is extremely difficult not to get enough. So I'm only wanting to supplement if somebody has an extraordinary situation where they need more than what they can possibly get in their food. It's actually really, really easy to get enough copper and even too much just from food. I've actually never needed to supplement anybody with copper. Um, and, um, you know, of course there are plenty of people who need it. I, this is just the clinical, um, you know, experience that I have, um, so, you know, even just taking liver supplements is a much more balanced way of getting copper than beef liver because chicken liver doesn't have anywhere near as beef liver has gram for gram 40, about 40 times as much copper as chicken liver. So it's a huge, huge difference. Um, so a beef liver, uh, capsule is going to be a, a much more balanced way for the average person needing a little more copper than they're able to get just from the foods that they taste and eat. Um, and that's definitely the first place I would go versus necessarily going right to a copper supplement, yeah. um, or copper, copper in the prenatal you want to, yeah. if somebody's diet is inadequate in copper, it needs to be corrected. So there are so like the only diets that are inadequate in copper are people who are under consuming food, which we absolutely should not be doing during pregnancy anyway. Right. And the other categories are. Uh, extreme carnivore diets that are just like muscle meat. You you can't be copper. You really, unless you have a genetic condition or an extreme situation where you have, where your body just requires large, large amounts of copper. Um, it's, it's very, very unusual not to be able to correct your diet to get enough if you need more. Um, in some situations, yes, supplementation is appropriate, but those are going to be quite unusual scenarios. Yeah, which again, just speaks on the importance of knowing your individual body and your yeah. individual status before taking, I mean, you could even save a lot of money. <laughs> like oh, you yeah, don't need right. to be spending so much money yeah. on all these supplements unless they're very much needed. And how else yeah. will you know? Yeah. 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 Any of us. And we don't even have to be trying to get pregnant. Just right. Right. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You know, uh, investing in nutrition support by somebody who can look at your individual uh picture and help you choose the right supplements that can pay for itself easily and also keep you and, and the developing fetus much safer because you're not accidentally like taking too much of something and causing you know imbalances between nutrients and uh that, that then need to be compensated in some other way yeah. Wow. This is all so fascinating. I feel like we could have so many other deep dives and yeah. Every time I talk to Sarah, I learn stuff and we, we work together a lot. Like she's, she's so experienced. It's amazing. Well, if people want to learn more, can you tell us a little bit more about other things that you offer so that people can keep on learning? Cause I think this is so important for people to know. So would you tell us more about that? Yeah. Well, I'll go. Um, so that if, so the software is that lab smart software is labsmarts.com, L A B S M A R T S.com. Um, that's the software I created for mainly for practitioners though. And practitioners like Sarah, who use the software to put to blood, blood test results in, um, for, for their patients. So labsmarts.com, but if anybody, if any practitioners are watching and want to learn how to use the software, um, in their practice, working with pregnant women, I, you can go on the website and schedule a demo with me. And then Sarah can talk about her thing and then the class that we have together. Yeah. Uh, thank you. I, I love, um, using lab smarts and also, uh, recommending it to the practitioners that I collaborate with in my practice. Um, it's such a terrific resource and I'm so glad that you put it together, Marianne. It's just, I, I, I often think that, you know, I often wonder, do you even realize how incredible your software is and how unique it is? Because oh, it's, very, I don't, it's truly, I mean, I can hardly get over how revolutionary of a product you have developed. I mean, it is really the only product on the market that looks at reference ranges by pregnancy trimester, takes into account nuanced uh, aspects of, um, you know, of blood test interpretation, including altitude. I've never seen this in any other software. So, I mean, really- oh. 
extraordinary work. I mean, just absolutely extraordinary. I hope that any practitioner who is out there listening to this podcast uh, signs up for your software because it is, uh, you know, it is going to be revolutionary in their work, in their clinical practice. But it is also, I think, you know, it's only a matter of time before this work that you have done and this product you put together revolutionizes the industry as a whole. And um, yeah, I mean, <laughs> any, uh, any patient out there who's listening to this podcast, I hope that you talk with your uh, with your healthcare team about LabSmarts because it is an amazing tool. Uh, I really, one of my hopes is that midwives and, <laughs> and um, um, nutritional therapists and um, even OBGYNs and nurse practitioners specializing in women's health will be using this tool with their pregnant clients. Uh, and, and even just with, <clears throat> you know, uh, premenstrual, I- I'm sorry, premenopausal females in general, because it also, one thing that you didn't mention, Marianne, is that it does look at, at ranges for the follicular phase and the luteal phase of the, of the female cycle for the markers where that is um, a factor. So <laughs> I know I, I keep talking about how wonderful <laughs> you and your work are, but <laughs> let me also say you can, <laughs> I'm sorry, you can find me at buildnurturerestore.com buildnurturerestore.com. That is my website. And we also have uh, a course that we are going to be teaching together starting July 13th, which is all about lab interpretation during preconception, pregnancy, and postpartum slash lactation. And it's going to be six two-hour classes taught on Thursdays uh, starting on Fascinating. I mean, we, we have learned so much on the different physiology, how the body changes throughout pregnancy and why some of these markers change. You know, it, it's just, we have to share it with everybody. Yeah, that's yeah. amazing. Is this, is this masterclass um, more t- for like pregnant women or is it for practitioners mainly? What would you say? I mean, I would think that anybody who wants to learn the different physiological changes throughout pregnancy and how those changes impact blood and then how to then properly interpret those blood tests throughout the different trimesters of pregnancy. So I know there's smart women out there that just, you know, want to learn this stuff, even you don't have to be a practitioner. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. You know, so many, um, so many women who are, I mean, I know so many women who do so much research during their pregnancies and, and really like to be involved front and center. I mean, there's so many smart women out there going through pregnancy who are, have a high level of curiosity and they just want to know as much as they can. I think it would be a fun, uh, part of, of the pregnancy adventure for an inquisitive person with, with a little time to, to do some learning. Yeah. Well, that's awesome. That's an amazing resource to have. And like you said, if I know plenty of smart women out there who are just interested in learning, uh, learning about their body. And um, so this is so neat. I'll put all of that in the show notes so um, my listeners can find that and sign up and connect with you. Uh, but thank you so much for taking time and just all of the the wealth of information you guys have. It is so amazing. And um, do you have any last pieces of advice or wisdom? One thing that you just want to make sure every pregnant woman knows. Yeah. I mean, just learning from Sarah that when, when a pregnant woman gets their blood work and the lab report shows high or low, don't get worried. Don't get anxious. Those really may not be the appropriate reference ranges that are flagging those. And so really you should you know find somebody like, like Sarah that can take a look at the, that blood work from a, from a more optimal, optimized perspective based on your trimester. That's yeah. so awesome. Yeah. Did you have anything? I don't, I just really wanted to say thank you. Uh, first of all, for Marianne to Marianne for, uh, being here with me and also to you, Allie, and, and to your audience for, uh, just for listening to us and, and having this conversation and engagement with, uh, with the work that we've done and, and what we are, uh, what we are doing and what's on the horizon here. 
Yeah, thank you. One last question. Do, do you take people like through telehealth or do you have a directory of people who use lab smarts that people can connect with if they want to dive deeper and like look at their their lab works? And yeah, I mean, I mean, if you want to work with Sarah, she's an amazing clinician who is a user of the software. So right there, she teaches practitioners how to, you know, interpret blood work and, and you know, work with pregnant women or preconception, but she also takes on um, her own clients, right, Sarah? So, yeah. I mean, I would start with Sarah if you want to work with somebody to really optimize your nutrition and and yeah. who knows, somebody who knows how to read blood work, like you're saying, Allie, and, and know what nutrients and how to help you design the right prenatal. Like yeah. that's huge. That is huge. Yeah. So if you have a link to sign up for like online consultations or, or something like that, yeah. um, is it that is way build way. nurture restore just right on your site? Yeah, yeah. yeah. build nurture restore right okay. on Sarah's site. If you're either wonderful, an individual or a practitioner. Okay, that sounds great. Well, thank you so much again. I hope you guys um, just feel so amazing and have so much. Uh, I don't know, love going your way. The, thank you, thank you. We appreciate thank it. you, thank you so much. Great. Wow, I am so thankful that Marianne and Sarah came on the show. I learned so much, and this is so important, super helpful information to have, but obviously getting blood work done during your pregnancy is a personal decision, and if you do decide this is the right step for you, but you don't have a functional provider to give you the right results, consider connecting with Marianne and Sarah for a consult or next steps, and if you're a functional provider listening to the show who wants to learn more about their LabSmarts software, I've attached the link with all of their information in the show notes. Now, this is revolutionary information, and I'm excited to see more and more women empowered with the information. And if you know a mom or a functional practitioner that this episode would help, consider taking 60 seconds to leave a review, send this episode to them, and one last thing, make sure you connect with me over on Instagram at Peaceful Home Birth. Send me a DM. Let me know you listen to the show. I'd love to say hi. Until next time, peace be with you.